Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. So, this morning, we are going to look at Daniel chapter 9, and uh, you can just turn there in your Bible. Verse 24, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now you think about all those things that are described there. Seventy weeks are determined to do all these things. Well, when is an end of sins made? When is reconciliation for iniquity in Israel's program? When is that complete? When is everlasting righteousness brought in? And when is the vision and prophecy sealed up, meaning it's, it's completed? Uh, and when is the most holy anointed? Those are all things that, that uh, take place. I mean, he's talking about the kingdom being brought in. He's talking about the second coming of Christ and the kingdom. Uh, being established, right? So this period of 70 weeks is going to to end with the bringing in of the kingdom, really the fulfillment of all of Israel's prophecy, that kingdom that had been prophesied to Israel uh, all through their history. And verse 25, now he's going he's gonna to split up that 70 weeks a little bit. It says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, Unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The streets shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And under the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So uh, really in just, just what, about four verses there. In about four verses there, you have this, this period of 70 weeks laid out. Now, uh, the the weeks um, when we think of a week we think of a group of seven days right the Hebrew word that's used here just means sevens so it's seventy sevens and uh, you know you know it's not talking about weeks of days here in the passage because it, it really would have just been uh, a short amount of time and all those things would have taken place if what was intended was weeks of days uh, we those things have not uh, taken place yet today as far as the, you know, that made an end of sins and the reconciliation for iniquity and anointing the most holy. It's not weeks of days that are described here, but it's weeks of years. And so 70, if you think of 70 times 7, that's going to be 490. There's a period here of 490 years in which these things are going to be accomplished. Alright? Now, uh, it, the number 490, you know, the number 7 
is a number of completions. All right. Uh, and so you've got a lot of sevens here, as you do in the book of Revelation, for instance, where everything is being brought to completion. Uh, seven is a, is a number of completions. And um, you know that there are many times in Israel's history where there are 490-year periods uh, that, are, that are significant in their history. Clarence Larkin has a, a book that most often is referred to by, by the title Dispensational Truth. Actually, the full title, I don't know if Larkin gave it this title or the publisher gave it this title, but the full title is The Greatest Book on Biblical Truth in the World, I think is the, <laughs> is the title of it. Um, and it's, it's mostly a book of charts. Another chart that he has in his book shows many of these different periods of 490 years where God was doing different things with Israel. Here, the 70 weeks are a, are a period of 490 years. And... The, the passage gives us not only a length of time, if we want to understand something about that length of time, we have to know what the beginning point and the end point are. And the passage tells us what the beginning of the 490 years are. It's not, the, the 490 years don't begin here as Gabriel is talking to Daniel. Uh, rather, he says, 70 weeks are determined, and verse 25 says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandments to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince, it says, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. Now, the entire period that's described is a period of 70 weeks, but he says from the, from the commandments to build and restore Jerusalem, so that gives you the beginning of the, the 70 weeks. Okay, and uh, that's that's referred to by chronologers. Uh, this this is the part of the message where I get to impress you with my knowledge of Latin uh, as the terminus a quo. Okay, a terminus would be like an endpoint, and this would be the endpoint that that begins something. The terminus a quo, and uh, so the terminus a quo is the commandment to re- build and restore Jerusalem. Um, now, when it says uh, from the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince. The Messiah the Prince doesn't doesn't come here at the end of the 70 weeks, but notice it says, uh, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. Okay, so you have seven weeks and then threescore is 60 and two. So 69 weeks of the 70 weeks. 69 weeks, it's 69 weeks from the commandment to Messiah the Prince, and there's going to be something special about that last 70th week that, that we're going to look at. Uh, and, and even that 69 weeks is split up. You see, he lists seven weeks and three score and two. He doesn't just say 69. He doesn't just say three score and nine. He says seven weeks and three score and two weeks. Um, now, now uh, Larkin in his chart, he has that first seven weeks separated there, and, and he says for the rebuilding of Jerusalem, and that's really about the period of time that you see that rebuilding taking place, okay? And then you have this long period of 62 weeks, uh, over 400 years. Most of that is the period between Malachi and Matthew. It's, you know, it's treated as just one long period there, and, and God is largely silent during that time. There, are, there is no scripture being written. There are no prophets being given. Uh, it's this, this period that is described in the Old Testament as being a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And um, 
Israel, you know, there's a lot of different things that happened in Israel's history during that time, but God is silent during that time, and or most of that time anyway. Uh, and you see where where Larkin in his chart has the end of that. He has it at at the cross, and uh, you notice how it says after the 62 weeks, after the the three score and two weeks, uh, it says that the Messiah, verse 26 of Daniel 9 that the Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Now, uh, even that, we're going to see, doesn't happen exactly at the end of the, the 69 weeks. He says after that, there's a, there's a gap that takes place between the 69th and the 70th week. But let's, let's uh, think about some of these, these points here in the, the timeline. And first of all, this terminus a quo. So, it's described in Daniel 9 as, as from the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem. Now, you have in, if you're familiar with, with uh, the Old Testament and with the return after that Babylonian exile, you know that the books of Ezra and Nehemiah describe that return. And there are several different times where Israelites go back from Babylon to Israel. And there are several different commands that are given. Uh, in Ezra, you have three different times where there are commands about returning back into the land. However, in the passages in Ezra, none of them mention rebuilding the city. It's always just the temple. Now, the city had been destroyed. The, the you know the walls were uh, largely torn down. Many of the buildings had either been been destroyed or had fallen into disrepair. There were just very few people even left in the city after the the Babylonians destroyed it. Uh, but the first priority and what the book of Ezra focuses on is not the rebuilding of the city, but it's the rebuilding of the temple. Uh, it's not until you get into the book of Nehemiah that you see uh, a command that is to rebuild Jerusalem, the city. And let's just go back there, go to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. Verse 1 is important because verse 1 gives you a date for what's going on here. Verse 1 says it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. And what happens here is that the king asks Nehemiah why he's sad. Uh, he, you know, he has this, uh, this very important position, important not in the practical sense, but important in the sense that it was a very uh, uh, honorable position to be given. It was a reward you would give to somebody. He'd be the cupbearer of the king. And he's the cupbearer of the king. And the king notices that he's sad. And the king asks him about that. And he talks about how how Jerusalem and Israel are laid waste. And verse 4, Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make requests? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king asks him some questions about, you know, how long it's going to take him, that kind of thing. And this results with uh, the the king giving Nehemiah letters to to the Gentile rulers there in the land to allow him to go and rebuild the city. Here's the command to build and restore Jerusalem. And verse 1, as I said, is important because it allows us to place a date upon that command. If we're going to to uh, have a you know a detailed view, 
of these 70 weeks, we have to know what the terminus a quo is. We have to know what the beginning point is. And you see, it says in the month Nisan, now that's the uh, seventh month in the, in the Jewish calendar. It's the month when the fall feasts were, were uh, celebrated in Israel. In the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king. And uh, these are, are things that can be, can be found out through a historical research. Now, some of these numbers that I'm going to give you are Sir Robert Anderson's calculations of these things. Uh, others have, have claimed that there are small errors in, in Anderson's calculations of like the starting year and the ending year and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, sometimes that just winds up being quibbling. Uh, the Coming Prince is the book where he really lays a lot of this out. Uh, he also kind of defends it in Daniel and the Critics' Den. But Sir Robert Anderson was, uh, he was a, a Scotland Yard detective, okay? And he approached the Bible in that way, and he wanted to search these things out and find out all the details and, and all of that. And I, according to his research, he calculated that the 20th year of Artaxerxes' reign, the month of Nisan in that year, would have been March 14th, 445 B.C. Now, he, he um, makes the assumption that since no day is given, since it just says in the month Nisan, that that is the first day of the month Nisan. Okay, that's the, that's the assumption that he makes, and he calculates that as being March 14th, 445 B.C. Now we have a terminus a quo. Now we have the, the beginning point. And now we can see what, what the end point, where the end point winds up. Now, another thing that we have to understand about uh, the years that are given there, so so the, the 70 weeks, uh, again, we're taking that to be a period of 490 years, but realize that people have used different calendars at different times. You know, we, we have a very precise year today, especially because of the use of leap years, uh, so that, you know, we understand that the actual solar year is just a little, a little bit less than 365 and a quarter days. Okay, and so you know we we have a leap year system that's designed to keep us lined up with solar year. Many ancient calendars, however, did not use 365 days. They used 360 days, and they had they had uh, 12 months of 30 days each. In fact, that's probably where the idea of dividing up a circle into 360 degrees comes from, um, you know, from observations of the sun and the moon and, and that kind of thing. And uh, many, many ancient calendars use 360 days. And that is uh, true. We have a couple of, of things we can look at in Scripture to see a little bit about that. Uh, go to Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7, and notice here, uh, Genesis chapter 7 verse 11 tells you that the, the flood begins, it says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, notice in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. Okay, now um, look at Genesis 8.3. Genesis 8.3 says, And the waters returned from off the earth continually, and after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. 
And verse 4 says, And the ark rested in the seventh month on the seventeenth day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. So, from the, you know, if you take take uh, Genesis 7.11 and Genesis 8.4, from the second month, seventeenth day of the month, to the seventh month, seventeenth day of the month, gives you five months. Right? Well, how many days were in those five months? 150 days. And so the idea is you have you have months of equally 30 days. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna just just speculate. Um, I think probably that when when the Earth was originally created, that it was probably exactly a 360 day solar year. Okay, that you've had various various cataclysms on the Earth, the flood being the greatest of those. That could have changed that. You know, you look at you look at uh, how the Earth is situated and the earth is tilted on its axis. The earth, not only that, it wobbles on its axis. And, um, you know, it's like, it's like something has knocked it off where it was originally. And that, I believe, created variation in the year so that you have 365 days instead of 360 days. But that seems to be testimony to that. Now, another example, we won't look at all the verses, but in Revelation chapter 11 and 12, you have a period of time described that is variously described as being 42 months, 1260 days, or time times and half a time, which would be three and a half years. All right. And so if all of those are equivalent, what that means is you have, you know, 42 months divided by three and a half years gives you 12 months per year. Um, 1260 days divided by 42 months gives you 30 days per month. And 1260 days divided by three and a half years gives you 360 days per year. And, and so it appears that in a lot of prophetic passages, what's being used is a prophetic year, not a, not a literal solar year of 365 and a quarter days, but a prophetic year of 360 days. Okay? And that's important because when you're talking about a period of 490 years, those five and a quarter days will change a lot uh, where your end point would end up, right? So um, if we if we take it as 360 day years, if we take March 14th, 445 BC, and we add 483 prophetic years, because remember he said from the commandment to Messiah the Prince would be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. Sixty-nine weeks, 480, 69 times seven, 483 years. You know, there's not a lot of Bible, Bible, uh, messages, not a lot of sermons where you get to use a lot of math, but this is one where you get to use a lot of math. So, so, uh, that's good for a math guy like me. Um, 483 prophetic years. So, that's 483 times 360 days, or, March 14th, 445 BC, plus 173,880 days. And what's interesting is when you, when you add that together, you come to Sunday, April 6th, 32 AD, by, by uh, Sir Robert Anderson's reckoning. And the interesting thing about that is that winds up being 10 Nisan, uh, in that year. 10 Nisan, in the Jewish calendar, 14 Nisan is the Passover, right? That's that's the day when they um, celebrated the Passover. But 10 Nisan was the day when they picked out their Passover lamb. It also winds up being the day that Jesus Christ rode on a colt the full of an ass 
into the city of Jerusalem, and they laid out the palm branches before him, right, and uh, recognized him as as the son of David, as the king. Now, it wasn't too many days later that they were calling for his crucifixion. But that's a, that's a fascinating thing when you put that together. Um, when you see how, how it correlates with those feast days and how it correlates with all of this. So, so what the Lord is showing there to Daniel, the, the coming of Messiah the Prince, that is the terminus ad quem, that's the Latin term for the, the end point, of the period is the terminus ad quem. That's the point that you that you arrive at, the point that you conclude at. Uh, of the 69 years is the coming of Messiah the Prince. And what better day in the in the life of Christ in his in his first advent, in his first coming, uh, to point to than that day when he comes in into Jerusalem um, and really really presents himself as their Messiah, the King that comes to them on the on the colt, the pull of an ass. Uh, this is a, a fascinating thing. Go back to Daniel chapter 9. And so you notice then, after, uh, if you look at verse 26, it says, after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Now, this had to be something that was very confusing to Daniel. Because, you know, in the Old Testament, it's you do have passages certainly about about the suffering of the Messiah, but it doesn't seem like it was very clear to, to anybody that the, when the Messiah came that he was going to be killed. Uh, certainly the long delay between the time when he was killed and when he eventually comes to reign as king was not foreseen. Uh, in, in Peter's epistles, he talks about how the, the prophets were searching what or what manner of time the spirit which was in them did signify and, and he basically says, Peter says, they just concluded it wasn't for them, it was for somebody else to know. Uh, but, but here, you know, you assume when Messiah the Prince comes at the end of that 69th week, I mean, that, that should be the kingdom, right? But, the, but there's a, another week there that hadn't taken place yet. And verse 26 says, after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. There you have a prophecy of the crucifixion of Christ. I want you to notice that it doesn't say at the end of the, the 69 weeks, or really it says 62 weeks because it's adding those to the seven at the beginning. Uh, it doesn't say at the end of that. It says after that. So here in this prophecy, it indicates that there's a gap between the end of the 69th week and the beginning of the 70th week. It doesn't indicate what the length of that gap is. All right, but... The end of the 69th week is when he comes into Jerusalem. At the very least, we, we know historically, at the very least, there's a few days between that and when he's killed. All right, But it says, after the 62 weeks shall Messiah be cut off. He's not cut off for himself, though. Uh, it's, not, it's not for his own benefit or even for his own punishment that he's cut off. He's cut off uh, in the context of a passage like this. He would be cut off for Israel. We know he's cut off. Uh, for for the sins of the whole world. Anyway, I, I hope you see that gap that is there. Now, what we understand is that that gap is much longer than anybody would have expected. And we're still in that gap today. Uh, we're still in that gap where the 69th week has been concluded, yet the 70th week has not yet begun. You notice that the rest of the passage really uh, is giving you detail about that 70th week. Uh, the rest of verse 26 talks about the people of the prince that shall come. 
And it says, They shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Uh, many would, people would take that as being the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. Um, it's, it's, I'd say it's possible that that's something that's yet future. I think, I think you wind up with too much confusion when you try and extend some of these prophetic events that far into the dispensation of grace. Okay, but, uh, but anyway, it talks about the people of this prince that shall come. There's a, there's a prince that's coming. Now, this is not the Messiah, the prince. There's the Messiah, the prince, and then there's a prince that comes after him. And you see what happens in verse 27. It says, He, that prince that shall come, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Now, we've already seen in previous passages in, in Daniel, and certainly in passages after this in Daniel, we've seen description of somebody called a, the little horn. Right? We've seen descriptions of somebody who's going to make covenants and, and make agreements. And this is just putting a time period on that. And it's saying he's going to confirm the covenant with many for one week. Now this is the, the reinstatement of the temple worship. This is the reinstatement of the sacrifices. It doesn't say here that he makes a covenant. There are covenants that he makes. But here it says he confirms the covenant. It's talking about, again, reinstating that, that, uh, Temple worship. Uh, other passages indicate there will be a rebuilt temple. There will be a temple there in Jerusalem. And uh, he's going to confirm for one week for seven years. He's going to confirm that covenant. But you notice he doesn't, he doesn't continue to confirm that covenant because it says in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And these are, these are events that you see pictured over and over again in, in prophecy. And that happens at the midpoint of that 70th week. What marks the midpoint of the week is that he causes the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And it says, for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. You have something that's referred to in other passages as the abomination of desolation that's associated with the image that the Antichrist, well really that the false prophet sets up. Uh, that people are forced to come and worship. And uh, that's also the time when, when Paul describes uh, this, this Antichrist, this prince, that he as God shall sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. See, those happen at the midpoint of that, that seven years of that final week. And it says that he's going to make it desolate even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, what a, what a passage like this does is it gives you a framework now to take the rest of Bible prophecy concerning that period of time and have a place to hang the different passages, right? It gives you a way to take the book of Revelation, for instance, which is primarily describing that last week, that 70th week of Daniel, and you can see if it's describing, um, you know, the first three and a half years or the, or the last three and a half years, um, you can, you can hang those passages where they fit in the timeline. And so it's a, it's a very useful thing that the Lord gives to Daniel here. Now to, to Daniel, you know, Daniel's life was going to be over. He, he was going to see the beginning of some of that, but Daniel wasn't going to see the end of that, certainly. Uh, it wasn't for Daniel's sake that it was given, but it was given for, for the people who would live all through that period. And it was given, especially, you have many things here in Daniel that really are given for people who are living in that last 70th week of Daniel, 
who have to understand when things are going to take place and what's going to take place. And these these timelines, Leviticus 26 is another passage like that where it doesn't give you specific years, but it gives you a timeline. And it allows you to take all the rest of the prophetic scripture and, and have a place to put it and line it up and organize it. There's no, no uh, question why the book of Daniel is so disputed by people. Because if you don't want to believe the Bible is true and you have a, uh, a prophecy like that that's written hundreds of years in advance that gives specific dates and that's fulfilled on a specific day uh, and you don't want to believe the Bible is true, you've got to have some way to explain that away. You have to have some way to get rid of that and, and what they've used is to try to discredit the book of Daniel altogether. But for the believer, um, just, you know, what a, what a great book that God has put in there. It gives you all kinds of, of information. Now, it doesn't deal with the period of time in which we live today, but it allows you to take all that other scripture from, from other dispensations and know where to go. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.